Swing and a line drive left field. Ben Intendi coming on. Dives. And did he make the catch? He did. He got it. Here we go. It's time to party. Right here. 3-2. High drive. He crushed it. It's a grand slam. Swing and a miss. Frankly, it's over. The Red Sox have won the world championship. Welcome to Benny and the Bets podcast. Can you believe it? Here's your host, Terry Cushman. Hello, everyone, and welcome to what is basically the first hot stove show of the Red Sox offseason. Going to be getting into uh, the updates on the manager search, the likelihood of Cora coming back. We have a list of names who have already interviewed uh, for that spot. We're going to be talking some Mookie bets. Kind of rehashing, you know, whether it was the right thing to do, whether it wasn't. Uh, we'll also talk about some rumors that popped up about his departure that was initially uh, raised by Mike Felger on the Sports Hub. We'll reserve the right to freestyle, you know, anything, you know, in between. And uh, glad to be back for this episode. Game 5 of the World Series is going on right now. Might have some live uh, real-time reaction if anything happens. Dodgers are currently up 4-2 to two as we're recording this. With me tonight, Andrew Dwan, Charlie Smith. How are you guys? Doing well. Yeah, no complaints. Doing good. Well, all right. So, um, you know, we're kind of, uh, I'll say knee deep to keep it clean in the, uh, the search for the manager. Um, you know, a lot of Alex Cora talk uh, leading up to a few days ago. And then we got some news that there had been a few interviews that had taken place and kind of seems to have poured a little bit of water on that because I, I felt like momentum was kind of building once again for possibly a core return. But uh, Andrew, what's your read on exactly that? I still think he's likely to come back. I think it would definitely be a crowd pleasing move on the Sox behalf. I think Bloom took the job with Cora being his manager, and obviously um, <laughs> the wrench got thrown in that plan. So I still see him coming back. I do think they're doing their due diligence because you have to search in the off chance that he says no. And if some team like the White Sox, who I think he'd be perfect for, came in and blew him away with a ton of money, um, you, there's always that possibility. So you don't want to be left with the pants down. So I think we'll see some more names trickle out because they've been quiet about who they've brought in um, until we find out after the fact, we're not tracking any flights to Logan. Um, <laughs> so I think we'll get some more details in the next week. And obviously we've seen some Cora tweets. He could just be having fun uh, when you do the way do the X two. Uh, on his birthday uh, the other day. So I don't know. Um, a lot of his old bench coaches were retained by the team, even though other people were let go. So that's another sign that he could very well be back when, uh, where, you know, when this World Series ends. So I think we'll get some results pretty quickly here. And we could, I don't know when game seven is. Let's see, today's game five, then there's an off day tomorrow. So that would be Tuesday game mm-hmm. six, Wednesday mm-hmm. game seven. So Thursday yeah. could potentially be the earliest we would know. And uh, Charlie, what what are your thoughts on you know Cora's status? Um, I think you know he's doing his best Trevor Bauer impression uh, from a manager role. Uh, cryptic tweets are always fun, except for the people that are trying to figure them out. So those aren't fun. Uh, I still don't think he actually comes back. I think they are going to send a message um, just so they don't get any more haterade thrown their way. 
they're not going to sign him. They'll entertain it, but I think they're they're going to be diplomatic. And as Andrew mentioned already, there's another team that could potentially be a great fit. Um, you know, some some people had mentioned other names and whatnot of of current managers, things like that. But I mean, I just I, I can't see the Red Sox pulling the trigger on bringing him back. I just can't do it. I'm leaning. I was drinking the punch a little bit, you know, up until some of these interviews got leaked out. Um, you know, he's just a hugely popular figure amongst the beat writers. Rob Bradford, Chris Cotillo specifically, these guys are kind of cheering for it. Uh, I listened to the Mass Live podcast, which Chris Cotillo and Christopher Smith, another Mass Live writer, um, record sporadically. And their expectation is that he'll likely be back. That, again, was before some of these names were getting dropped. But now that we are seeing names, I'm kind of, I, I think they are kind of steering away from him a little bit. And you think so? I, I really do. And there was we have a sports station up here in Portland, uh, 96.3, the big jab. And <laughs> they had Sam Kennedy on probably about three weeks ago at this point. And Kennedy emphatically said that it's Hein Bloom's decision as to who the manager will be. And so I guess from there, ownership isn't going to push it on him. So is Bloom going to make that decision himself? Is Bloom going to well, be the guy that says, "Yep, he's the guy. He should come back." But if it was, if it is truly Bloom's decision, which I'm sure it's by like sixty forty his, wouldn't he have hired his ideal candidate last year? Because we now know that he can't take anyone from Tampa for at least one more year. So it's not like he had some guy he had a good good relationship that there. Was it Cortaro or whatever his name is? Uh, Cortaro, so, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I think he would have made a move last offseason when he obviously could pick pretty much anyone. No one blocked any candidates from interviewing outside of what his contract stated with Tampa. So I think he would have made the move last year. And I do think that the players are going to be listened to because we have learned over the years, it was especially during that Valentine year, that ownership does listen to the players um, probably a little more than they should have. Maybe they'll stop now, but I don't foresee that. And does Cora coming back help your chances of a guy like Xander not opting out? or getting a guy like Devers to sign an extension this season, this offseason with financial uncertainty everywhere, and maybe it saves you upwards of $40 million over the life of the contract. I think there's other factors in play here. It's a good point about the Devers thing. I mean, there was, you know, a very good relationship there. You know, he had his best year so far under Cora, but he was on his way to a good year under Renicky. Um so I mean that's no, an yeah, interesting that. interesting point, but I just I don't see any way Cora can get fired under any circumstances uh at the immediate conclusion of the 2019 season, you know, because it, it was still probably 6 or 8 weeks or so before the the bombshell Houston report got dropped. But I just don't see, I just don't see how they can just fire him so so Bloom can have his guy. They didn't fire. I know there were some uniquely different circumstances when Dombrowski came in. They didn't fire Farrell, but that would have been a PR nightmare because of the uh, cancer uh, yeah. <laughs> diagnosis. But but they didn't, and I I've always felt they could have. I mean, it, what we were seeing out of Farrell was really bad. Like just complete, oh, inco complete incompetence. So, um, but you know that was a year removed. Well, two years, I guess, removed from from the Lester situation. You know, which was the last big controversy. Um, you know, before before that, but I just don't see how they could have fired uh, Cora. And another thing too is, 
it hasn't been a recent trend for the manager to get automatically fired. Um, you know, when Dombrowski was fired in Detroit, Avila kept Osmus for a year or two. Um, there, there has been a couple other examples. And, you know, I, I think by keeping the current manager, it allows the GM a get-out-of-jail-free card, you know, after maybe the second consecutive year of of the team underperforming under the new GM's watch, he can be like, well, we just need new leadership and, you know, we'll get a new manager. So I don't know. I, I really feel like they're going to move away. I, I, that's, that's my read on it. Uh, Charlie, any, any other thoughts, anything popped up as we've gone through this? No, no. I mean, I'm listening to both of your points. I think you both have valid points, but I'm also very, you know, God, like as far as uh, as far as Heim Bloom goes, I think people think he has a little bit more power than he really does. I, um, God, I, I don't I don't know what the stipulation of the contract was for how many years. Was it one more years at twenty twenty two that he can try to start poaching? Is that the deal? Because I don't yes. remember next off season. I think. Yeah. Okay. Correct. So. Um, wouldn't it be ideal? Would it have not made more sense to give Ron Renicky this year to figure that out? That's uh, another interesting point. I think he would have slid back into a bench coach position. You know, I, I don't know if the Red Sox, if their intent was to bring back Cora, I don't know what an extra year of Renicky would be, but. But true, I mean, I guess if Quatrero or someone from Tampa was the guy, maybe, maybe, yeah, give Renicky an extra year. But that steers them still away from Cora, I guess. Here, here's something to consider. I think we are three days from finding out whether Cora's in the hunt or not. Because, I mean, once the World Series ends. It could be, you know, they could bury that right away if if they feel like it. If they're tired of feeling core questions and they, they, they're going to move away, they can just say, we finally had a conversation with Alex to let him know what our status is, and we've told him that we're moving on. And I, that was also a key line from the... Um, the Bloom Zoom press conference where he said one of his reasons for not giving an answer either way was he wanted to have a conversation with Alex before anything became public. And so, you know, with these names getting leaked, I I don't know if, if they were supposed to get leaked. You know, they could have held it for another week. I think that's maybe what the Red Sox were hoping for, that none of this would get out. And, you know, but they did on, I think it was uh, Thursday. So I just, uh, let me get through. We'll, we'll get back to the core thing in a second. Let's, let's talk, let's talk about some of these names, actually. Um, I'm going to go through the list. I'm going to give a brief rundown, super brief rundown of each of their uh, recent credentials. Um, first on my list, uh, Don Kelly. Uh, he's age 40, a career 230 hitter, 23 home runs. He's currently the bench coach of the Pittsburgh Pirates. He was a player there in 2007. Played with the Tigers 2009 through 2014 and then wrapped up his career in 2015-2016 with the Marlins and uh, immediately went back to Detroit as a scout. Went to Houston for the 2019 season as their first bench coach and then again ended up uh, in 2020 as the bench coach for the Pirates. Will Venable, uh, 38 years old, 249 hitter as a player. Uh, 81 home runs, was with the Padres 2008 to 2015, uh, with the Rangers 2015, wrapped up his career as a player with the Dodgers in 2016, and uh, immediately went to the Cubs organization as a special assistant to Theo Epstein, 
spent 2018-2019 as a first base coach and then slid over to third base uh, coaching there in 2020 for the Cubs. He has been a hot candidate, uh, you know, in recent off-seasons. He has interviewed with the Cubs and the Giants, uh, didn't get both of those jobs. Recently interviewed with the Tigers and the Red Sox. Also, uh, Bloom has had meetings with these two guys. I don't know if those are formal interviews that came from a Rod Bradford article. Skip Shoemaker, age 40, uh, was a uh, 278 hitter with uh, 28 home runs. Played for the Cardinals from 2005 to 2012. Uh, went to the Dodgers in 2013, wrapped up his career as a player with the Cincinnati Reds in 2014-2015. And he is currently the associate manager, whatever that is, with the San Diego Padres. Uh, James Rousen, I, I guess that's might be how he pronounces it, 44 years old, career minor leaguer, mostly in the 1990s. Uh, is currently the bench coach for the Miami Marlins, who had a pretty good season, uh, got into the NLCS against the Dodgers before finally losing. And then lastly, Luis Luis Urita, age 39, uh, currently uh, with the Diamondbacks as a bench coach. Um, he was a career minor leaguer as well, uh, spent three years in the Diamondback system from 2000 to 2003, three more years in the Italian uh, Baseball League, hit 187 in the Italian Baseball League, but apparently uh, in their championship season, he was tw- uh, 7 for 23 in the, um, in the finals, as apparently it's called in that league. And uh, has since been a coach in the Diamondback system from 2017 to, uh, and then served at uh, as a bench coach in 2020. So apparently, I'm having uh, some audio issues. Are you guys with me? Okay, I've lost uh, Charlie and Andrew. I was having issues earlier. Actually, it looks like I was signed completely off. I got a text message from Charlie, so I know it is on my end. I'm joining the call. Add. Here we go. <laughs> Sorry. This time it just it shut off altogether. Where was I? Uh, I don't we know where you were. Just, we were just <laughs> talking about – have we been still recording this whole time? Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I was going on and on. I went on for three or four minutes. Uh, with the candidates, so um, uh, you know, yeah, I w- definitely didn't hear any of that. We uh, yeah, no, get a little bit more on where we stood with Renicky getting let go and our thoughts on that, um, and just how if a guy got hired this year, that pretty much I personally think it eliminates um, a Tampa candidate going forward because I don't think. Someone want to be a lame duck, so I think it's going to be a hire for the foreseeable future here. Yeah, it, it, if it's not Cora, it's definitely a long term, um, definitely a long term uh, manager. Um, I don't, I don't want to go all the way through it again, but um, I did the names I did mention: Luis, Luis Urita. Don Kelly, Will Venable, Skip Shoemaker, who's an associate uh, manager with the Padres, James Rousen, who is currently the bench coach for the Miami Marlins. So um, I don't know if you guys caught wind of those last two, Shoemaker and Rousen. The other three names have been... Saw it you saw it last night? No, tonight. I just uh, okay. right before we went on. Yeah. Okay. The other three, Venable, Kelly, and Eureka, have been prominently, you know, mentioned and covered. So, um, anything stand out, Andrew? No, not really. Not for me. Um, Eureka, I think also interviewed last year too during the search. Um, so that makes me think, like, what changed? Did anything change for him there? Um, I don't know. We'll see. I 
so obviously they've talked to him in the past. I'd be curious why they didn't go with him last year um, and went with Renicky, who I, you know, was just an in-house option. Yeah, that was interesting because he was, Rita was one of the interviews. Um, and then they kind of passed on him. I don't know if there were any complications, you know, between Boston and Arizona, you know, or, or what the, what the deal was. Um, yeah. So Charlie, what, what are your thoughts on, uh, these names? Well, naturally, I'm a little bit excited to see some of these names that, you know, we got to see play not too recently. Um, I always thought Skip Schumacher was just such a cool name, and I think it, it'd be interesting to see a, a former Cardinal um, in uh, in Boston. And I'm curious because I don't remember if Skip Schumacher was also a Cardinal when uh, when Craig was there. Were they on the same team? Yeah, they would have been. I think they, I think they would have been right. Too, too bad that uh, Craig's contract isn't still going on because that would have been fun to talk about. Um, I, I'm curious to see what happens. You know, Venable's been the third base coach for a couple years now. He's in his 30s, um, not quite 40. Kelly, I think, is 40 already. Uh, Urita's, he's got to be close to 42. Um, he's got um, what I really like about his background is that. Um, he's had some experience with, uh, South America helping the, the world baseball classic in the, for, for Columbia, uh, multiple times. And I, I think that that was one thing that drew Alex core to the team was, you know, the fact that he was, you know, kind of being able to have that great ability to communicate with everybody on the team. You didn't have to just be from the United States or you, you didn't just have to be from the Dominican Republic. You know, you have someone who hails from Puerto Rico, and Eurita is going to be someone that I feel could potentially do something like that. And what's great is you get a clean slate. Even if you don't do great the first year, there is going to be a crazy expectation next year. So you give him like a two, three-year deal, three-year deal, and just see what he can do. So Eurita uh, is up there. Uh, I liked Skip Schumacher uh, as a player. I thought he was a, a fine guy. And and truth be told, no disrespect to Skip Schumacher, he wasn't the best player on the team. He, he was never the best player on the team. And it's usually those types of guys that are the utility guys or the ones that um, maybe don't play all the time that end up being the better coaches. And, and who knows, like we could give Schumacher a chance and see what happens from there. But I still think that Eureka is going to be the uh, – I think he's the front runner in my eyes. So – if Core is not coming back, one guy that I haven't seen get linked and he works for the team is Ramon Vasquez. Uh, I'd be curious why they haven't really talked to him about moving up um, and taking over the team. I think he'd be a great one. He co- he's, I think he's done a couple of the summer league teams. Um, he might be doing the one Durant's going to this year. So the guy definitely has all the experience to be looking for just as much as Cora had. So, I think he could be a. I I'd rather honestly see him than any of those um, those outside guys. Yeah, that's an interesting point. And when the Red Sox retained him, that kind of fueled the fire uh, for Cora coming back because apparently they're good friends, and you know, so the beat writers were all over that. Um, and yeah, he's still. I don't know what his position is with the team, but I know he has been retained for this season as a coach. Um, the Pawtucket uh, Red Sox manager, as well. I think isn't that Bill McMillian or something like that? A lot of people seem. Yeah, a lot of people seem to be high on him. Um, so we we haven't heard his name brought up i know kelly don kelly has been uh mentioned he's going to interview with the tigers or perhaps he already has but i i know he's on their short list um you know he has spent uh the bulk of his career with them uh and then as i said um as we were cut off he was a scout with them 2017 before going to the astros as a first base coach for for 20 uh, 19, but um, 
the thing here is is who knows really who knows what bloom is thinking e- even if core is not coming back it's just it's hard to have an opinion on so many of these guys i know venable has been you know he's kind of been around the block as far as being a candidate to manage various teams yeah, he's been. I think he's gone so many interviews. <laughs> yeah, the Astros this uh, this past winter after Hinch got fired, uh, the Giants before that ultimately went to uh, that John Cena look like uh, Gabe Kapler, um, and you know, so kind of kind of been around, um, and a lot of recent hires just haven't really been on my radar anyway. I mean, who saw Jace Tingler getting like right? the, the jackpot of all teams, you know, last winter, you know, the San Diego Padres and Chris Woodward to the Texas Rangers. That's not a very smart front office. So I, I don't really know what they're thinking at, at any point in time, but then you had Charlie Montoyo, who I guess is close with Cora because they're both, you know, native to Puerto Rico, but he wasn't really on my radar when he got the Toronto job. Um, so I don't know what Bloom's looking for. When Kevin Cash got hired to replace Joe Madden, he wasn't he wasn't really on on many people's radars. He did interview. Um, he might have actually interviewed for the Astros job before Hinch got it. Um, or no, excuse me, that was Texas. The Texas Rangers uh, interviewed him, and then, and then the Rays did. And I mean, a lot of people think that Cash is a better manager than than Madden. And Bloom denies that the that the front office in Tampa, you know, pushes pushes Cash to to stick to like a, a hardcore plan you know based on what the analytics nerds are saying like kevin cash calls the shots he's got access to all the analytics but but he is managing that team and you know and and cash came into it look at it from his perspective he's being brought in to one of the lowest payroll teams and he has to replace joe madden (laughs) like that's a recipe for failure to me i mean how do you how do you replace i mean you know, even if you don't think Madden's as good, Madden's still a top five or six at the worst, you know, of this century, I would say, of managing. And, you know, just a really smart baseball guy. So, you know, Cash wasn't on the radar. He gets the job. And so I just, I don't know. And you're not hearing names like Buck Showalter, who I, I think could still be a successful manager. I know he's older, doesn't, you know, fit the current trend. Uh, you, you're not seeing Mike Sosha. I would hate that hire anyway. Buck Showalter? What's Buck that? Buck Showalter? I, oh, no. Terry, stop it. I think oh, he did all right. No. He never had a pitching staff in Baltimore and got him in the playoffs, got him to the ALCS one year. Um, the last. The last time I saw Mike Sosha, uh, at least me personally, on a video was, I think, Kirk Gibson's clutch home run. Uh, haven't seen Sosha since then. No, he was the eight, uh, the Angels manager. No, 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 I know, but I'm just saying, oh, like, I haven't I seen Sosha do anything. Yeah, 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 I was watching old videos and when I was like, oh, my God, Mike Sosha. Yeah, <laughs> well, he won, they did win uh, in 2 with him. I think that's the only reason he managed to keep that job for another 15 years, but... Um, Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> what, what was that, that was Andrew? True. I was saying they kept him way too long. Oh, but yeah. no one's going to the Angels are making good decisions. So, and Angels fans yeah. weren't even dumb enough to like start demanding his firing in like 2011. You know, it's just that's just not a it's not a smart team and it's not a smart fan base. Uh, Ron Washington was the runner up to Tingler in um, the the Padres. Deal. That's the closest he's come to uh, getting a manager job since since Texas, um, but has a lot of baggage off the field, so I'm, I'm sure that plays a factor. But you, you're not hearing any of the the old names, and I give I give Buddy, uh, excuse me, Dusty Baker, a lot of credit for you know for handling that team the way he did, you know, and 
helping some pitchers take some big steps, you know, especially Valdez there. Um, you know, so I, I think he, you know, he's definitely exceeded my expectations. Um, so, yeah, I just, I don't know who I like on this list. I'm generally open-minded. Um, I thought Farrell was going to be phenomenal. when I thought that was a good hire at the time. I, I regretted that deeply by uh, early 2015. Yeah. Yeah, I just thought he was going to be an extension of Francona. And and Clay Buckholtz had a, had a quote that was really resonated me that winter. He, he said that when John Farrell was a pitching coach, if he approached you about anything, you were scared to death of him. And I thought, I thought, well, that's probably not bad, you know, because, you know, Bobby V is obviously way off the deep end, you know, when it comes to approaching players and media blowups and, and stuff. So maybe, maybe Farrell could still be the stern guy, but just not over the top. You know what I mean? And, yeah, and so that's kind of why I liked it, uh, you know. And but you know, I, I threw away 2014. I didn't. I wasn't going to blame that on him. I'm like, well, it's just an off year. But then by like June of 2015, I'm like, this guy's a dumbass. And uh, <laughs> you know, we got stuck with him for a few more years. And uh, you know, and honestly, I mean, I didn't hate the. Bo- I thought the Bobby V hiring was intriguing. I really did. I I thought I thought it was going to be a little bit better than what it was, and I wasn't shocked when it did blow up. But I'm like, well, this is going to be interesting, and you know, but it was terrible, obviously. I I haven't read David Ortiz's biography yet, but apparently there was a situation on a charter flight, and Bobby V got the players all pissed off on the plane, and. They went to Ortiz on the plane and demanded he find a way to get Bobby V fired before that plane landed. <laughs> <laughs> the the mutiny in that clubhouse was so bad. I remember remember that selfie that Pedroia took while Valentine was sleeping. Apparently, it, it was it was a goofy picture or something. Uh, yeah, he was face down on his desk sleeping, and they were messing with him. And and then you had the infamous text message to ownership, which apparently was sent by Kelly Shopik on Adrian Gonzalez's phone, I think is what they went with. And yeah, so that, that year was definitely bad, but, but Adrian Gonzalez so badly. Yeah, me too. Funny story, funny story. Talking about being random in 2012. I, um, I was at I was with my ex girlfriend at that time, and we were at her parents for Christmas. And I got a I got a Red Sox shirt, and I see the front of it. It says Red Sox, and then so I I flipped it around to see the name on the back. The name was Dice K. That's his guy. This was in 2012 when it's remotely not even remotely cool. I was always an apologist, but it was clear, you know, he wasn't. Uh, you know, he was never gonna bounce back i think he pitched one or two more starts the season after and then they dfa'd him but um but yeah so kind of awkward but it was her grandmother that bought it for me and you know how was she supposed to know (laughs) type thing three years later in 2015 my brother's dumb as a rocks ex-girlfriend and my brother's you know pretty stupid too um just bad alcoholic and kind of a dumbass but um, but she got me a canvas painting and I could tell it was a Red Sox player because I could see the, the legs of, you know, the pants, you know, of the uniform. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I ripped the top half of the paper off and it's an Adrian Gonzalez canvas painting in 2015, three <laughs> years after he gets traded. So nobody's allowed to buy me uh, Red Sox stuff anymore. Unless it's a general thing. I did actually ask my mother. My mother, I said she could get me a shirt because she wrote down the players I didn't like. But then she forgets the list, calls me from the store, and she goes, <laughs> she goes, what's the name of those two players you absolutely despise? And this is like probably, I don't know, two or three years ago. And I was like, uh, Dustin Pedroia and David Price. <laughs> I'm like, if their last name starts with a P, 
don't buy it. <laughs> I don't know who else it comes. <laughs> I don't know who else started with a P, but I just figured it was the safe, you know, whatever. So, yeah, totally random. So but. I, should, I, should I return the uh, Uga Thurbina and Kevin Euclid shirts I got you, Terry? <laughs> I definitely return the Euclid one. I wasn't crazy about him. I'll fully admit, you know, he was the cornerstone of that, you know, 2007, uh, 2008 team and, and was still good for a couple of years after. But the guy was just a crybaby. I just couldn't – every time he struck out, he just would cry all the way back to the dugout. And I just – when That bad stance, though, that batting stance. Oh, that was such a weird stance where he would keep his hand way up the bat and then, you know – then bring it the down. Right, the right knuckle would be on the bat. It was the goofiest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. Clint Frazier got another goof. If you've ever seen Clint Frazier hit, he looks like a flamingo chicken thing. The left leg is like directed in towards his, towards the catcher. And then he swings the leg out. And that's kind of what begins the fall. It's, it's odd. It's really odd. If you guys haven't seen it, just look up. Clint Frazier batting stance. It is goofy. It's like Craig Kimbrell pitching. It just doesn't look normal. Right. I, he's definitely an interesting case, Frazier. You know, can't play a full season, but, yeah. but you know. Yeah. Tangent. All right, next. <laughs> so, basically, you know, that's the list so far. Um, Jason Veritek not on it. You know, a lot of the homers are clamoring for him, but I just can't see that happening uh you know under under Heim Bloom but I just feel like you know they've interviewed all these guys I mean what's Cora thinking if they legitimately haven't talked to him and they're not supposed to I, I don't know if they can do it third party you know call an ex-player to tell Alex Cora this or that I, you know I don't know if that's I mean going... if Bone Vasquez do that <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, Vasquez says he wants he wants uh what's his name there um as the bench coach. Uh Beltran, Carlos Beltran. <laughs> like yeah, bring in the two prime suspects from that and <laughs> the Oh, sign me up just for the takes. Yeah. Oh, that would make me so happy. <laughs> right. Another thing too to consider. And if Benny Kennedy does what he did this year, you just put Beltron in left field. He's just as good. <laughs> yeah, true. Jesus. Um another thing too, and this has been brought up and, and I think the beat writers might have even mentioned it. You know, how come we're not hearing anything about Renicky still being the bench coach? No, he's gone. Was- I think he's I think he's out. Yeah, I think he's out as well. Yeah, I just feel like if they retained him, that would kind of sway me more towards maybe Cora is coming back. I mean, they can still bring Renicky back, but I just feel like where where he was basically just let go and that was that. I don't know. It's just just another thing that kind of you know steers me away from Cora. But the the fans want to see Cora. I mean, I, I would say it's probably about eighty percent in favor. Um, the beat writers all want him back. So, <laughs> I I don't know. Well, I'm hoping he comes back. So <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jay, I talked to Jason the other just, day, and Jason. Jason, you know, kind of leans towards bringing him back as well. Um, but sounds like we're split so far, Charlie and I, on, on the other side of it. Yep. Yeah. So we'll see. The other thing, the other big topic going on right now, what's the score of the game, by the way? Still 4-2? to two? Currently 4-2. Four four. Uh, bottom 8 and guy on first. 4 for Tampa. Tampa, okay. Well, hopefully they come back. But uh, Mookie Betts has been brought up. Uh, a lot of Red Sox fans, you know, kind of 
seeing him finally have a, a fairly decent postseason and and you know getting a lot of the glory out there uh, in Los Angeles and you know kind of still mad at the Red Sox for for trading him. So so Andrew, wh- where are you on that right now? Uh, where I'm at right now is I had to mute the term Mookie Betts on Twitter, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure I'm going to extend that for another month. I it, It's just, it, we're being a dead horse right now, and for Boston, it's like coming from two A's, because now you got the Tom Brady crap, where it's like, oh, well, here, here's what he's doing, and then, you know, that's this afternoon, and then at night, turn on, and it's, here's what Mookie Betts is doing, but... He was gone. He wanted out. He didn't want you. This is what happened. He, Sabathia and uh, Ryan Rucco were on the Bill Simmons podcast months ago. And Sabathia was on this forever ago. He said, Mookie's gone. The guy's going to leave in free agency. He wants to test free agency. So no matter what they were doing, he was out of there. It took a pandemic to get him to sign with the Dodgers for a number that was in the threes. It lit, that was the only reason he had the market to himself this offseason had there been a normal year he would have gotten paid and i'm sorry it wasn't happening he wanted out of boston he didn't want to be here guys for everyone that's gonna give bloom shit for it just deal with it it's over you have a great player in verdugo they did a really good job getting a package back everyone knew that they needed to trade him so you got a top 50 prospect in Jeter Downs, who is probably still another year away because he lost the whole development year in the minors. So be happy. You got a really good guy in Verdugo coming back. He, I think, put up a war of two in just barely over 200 at-bats this year. Be happy with what we have. We have him on the cheap for four more years. And just... Be happy for what Mookie gave you. It was awesome. Won an MVP. Won a World Series. So not bad for a fifth-round pick. Charlie, uh, uh, you know, do you feel uh, any differently about the trade at this point? Um, I still feel that the Red Sox got a little bit uh, – they kind of got the cheap end of the stick. You know, they were getting about maybe 70 cents to the dollar. Uh, I think they should have thrown in May or Lux or just one other piece to the puzzle because you knew that once this trade went through, Mookie Betts was going to finish his career as a Dodger. It wasn't a question of maybe. It was just when he signs it, it's going to be career with the Dodgers. That's it. Um, and, and I'll say this much. Mookie had his opportunity to sign multiple times, opted not to. Uh, there were a couple of late moves to try to get him again, sway him wasn't enough at that point i gave up on mookie bets it's not the first time we've had a player do that it's the first time in a while we've had a homegrown talent say no to boston because the amount of money that boston offered him that's still enough for you to retire like you're good and the expectation for when you get older isn't going to be nearly close to what it is now and anything that would propose a deal would know that what we saw was just a um a cluster situation a cluster ball uh bad situation where you have a guy who talks about wanting to stay and obviously didn't so uh, it's really hard i don't miss mookie bets i i get more annoyed by uh the media and just the commercials um with with mookie bets now because they're glorifying him you think that mookie bets was a, a 20 year long dodger player like he's been there his whole career. No, he's been there for about six minutes, and they're making him seem like he's God in L.A. and it's it's kind of frustrating. I'm going to get into some uh, rumors uh, regarding his departure that surfaced this week, but um, I I would like to say before that, I think this this trade could be the best trade since the the 1997 deal with the Mariners that bought brought both. Jason Veritek and Derek Lowe to the Red Sox, who obviously played integral uh, roles over the next several years, you know, especially in 04 with how Lowe pitched in, in two game sevens and, you know, sealed the deal. 
Um, well, excuse me, one game seven, and then uh, game four of the of the World Series, and and Tech obviously, you know, two rings worked brilliantly with the pitching staff all that time. Um, I think this deal could be as good as that. I think Jeter Downs could be possibly as good as you know Didi Gregorius was as a middle infielder with the Yankees and maybe even better than that. And I think Connor Wong is just a bonus 28 home runs in double a, uh, that would have been in 2019 cause there was no season this year, but, but whether he slots in as a catcher or a super utility guy, I, I think he can still make an impact. Um, you know, and, and obviously Verdugo, I don't think at the end of the day, if you're in the world series, I don't think Verdugo and Betts, there's a make-or-break difference between the two. I think I think Verdugo could still be a beast offensively and be more than adequate defensively. So I don't I don't see a drastic difference between the two where we're, we're less likely to win a World Series now that Verdugo's out there. Um, so I think this is a great trade and. We we at the end of the day we don't have a, a three hundred plus million dollar contract on our books, and uh, I'm you know even if we don't win a World Series for eight years, I'm still going to defend the trade you know as being the move that needed to be made at the time. Um, I mean, if Mookie was here, he's not making Chris El- Chris Sale's elbow be healthy. They would have sucked. They would have sucked, but had a little more excitement. There was nothing that he, he wasn't going to win you ten more games. Absolutely, this team was trash. And if you think, like, if you're a fan right now and you're pissed, which you have the right to be, but think of how much more pissed you'd be if he walked after a horrible sixty-game season of whatever this product of baseball was that the Red Sox put out this year. Because guess what? You were still going to get the Robert Stocks, the. Um, Chris Mazes the world opening games for you. Uh, it wasn't going to stop. Mookie wasn't going to stop uh, Erod from catching COVID and getting really messed up from it. So there was nothing that Mookie could have done for this team. And if he walked, you would have gotten a second round comp pick. And that guy probably is not going to be Verdugo. So it sucks. It hurts. It's over. Enjoy him, watch him, know that we ought to ring out of him. So, LA can have the sloppy seconds. I, I agree, one hundred percent. We still would have finished last this year. You know, we were still a third place team with Mookie Betts in twenty nineteen. Um, you know, we still didn't get out of the first round of the playoffs in two of those years with with Mookie. Um, so, yeah. So on the sports hub, and what if he wins you three games? If he wins you three games, you're no longer picking fourth; you're picking like eighth, which is even worse. So actually, true. bottoming bottoming out completely was the better call. Yeah, true. You know, I mean, we got we got a chance to draft a, a better player this year. Um, on the sports hub uh, on Wednesday. Uh, Mike Felger uh, spoke about a conversation he had um, with somebody who he says is closely connected to a lot of Red Sox players. And um, here are some of the comments. I'm really bad at reading these, so just bear with me. I'm going to try to keep it as clean as possible. Felger says, This guy, I'm fully confident, is close with players, and it was a conversation at literally an outdoor, socially distanced cocktail party, Felger says. The guy says, boy, he turned down a lot of money here, speaking of bets. And Felger says, I'm like, well, what do you mean? Weren't they way under? The other guy, I'll just call the other guy the source. The source says, oh, no, no, no. They offered him what he asked for, and he turned it down. Felger says, I'm like, well, wait a minute. Why wouldn't the Red Sox let everybody know that? Because right now, everybody's calling them cheapskates. Everybody's saying they cheaped out and wouldn't pay for Mookie Betts. And why wouldn't they let that be known? And the source said that they thought it would be a worse PR hit if people knew that Betts turned them down straight up, that it wasn't a money thing, 
because it spoke to the fact he didn't want to be here. And Felger went on to say he had never thought of that. And, you know, so, so uh, Andrew, does that sound legit to you? No. Um, mainly because I don't believe anything comes that comes out of the uh, uh, Felger's mouth. I don't think he's that in tune with anything that goes on. I don't think he stays up to watch the games of any team. Let so I don't I don't I don't buy it. Definitely wasn't a team source because the team wouldn't come out and leak that right now. Uh, because I agree, it would look them make them look terrible. So I think it's BS. Um, it's also interesting that he gets that you know, crazy scoop. And when's the last time he had a crazy scoop? Well, it's the hottest uh, story in sports. I don't buy it. Um, Sounds great. It gets more listeners to your radio station. Um, But no, I I take it with a large grain of salt. Charlie. I am, I'm kind of 50-50 on this one. Um, I do not believe that any amount of money would have kept Mookie Betts in Boston unless you were cracking $400 million for 10 or 11 years. I genuinely don't think he would have stayed. Um, the deal that he got, uh, in my opinion, was also uh, crazy. Um, I, I want to say it was 300 and was it $365 million or 385 65 I think. $365 million. Um, I originally thought he was going to get 375 from the L.A. Dodgers, I, I believe from what I read and rumors, um, I thought he was still not getting as much as L.A. or L.A. might have sweetened the deal just to give him like a little bit more. Um, but there was there was no question Mookie Betts did not want to stay in Boston anymore. So I think the PR hit would have been bad. But at the same time, um <laughs> It doesn't matter how you look at it at that point. You know you're taking a hit when you move the guy. So at this point, uh, it's it's uh, you know damned if you do, damned if you don't. You're still damned at the end of the day because this is a guy who clearly just did not want to play here anymore. So uh, I'm happy that he's gone. Uh, we did get some players. I wish we got a, a, one more tool, um, you know, one more piece. But I mean, it is what it is at this point. I'm not going to cry over it because it, it could be a good deal. We have no idea because Betts could end up being good for another four years and have the Ken Griffey Jr. saga where he gets moved to another team and then he gets injured when he goes to Cincinnati. He was fantastic in Seattle, and then he moved, and then just it hit the fan, and that was it. So who knows what will happen with Mookie Betts. I hope he stays healthy. I wouldn't wish ill on anybody, but I also don't want this guy to win a World Series ring after 60 meaningless games. Well, the the last known offer from the Red Sox that that was reported uh, before the trade was three hundred million, and I I don't know if that was a ten or twelve year deal, but that's what was reported, and immediately, well, not immediately after the trade, but within a week or two after the trade, the Red Sox did leak out that. Mookie wanted $420 million. They leaked that out and they said every year they tried to extend him going back as as far as 2017. They were always $100 million off from where the bets camp was. So that tells me if they're leaking that out, the whole PR hit that he doesn't want to be here that Felger was talking about is just complete crap because they would have, I don't think, I don't think they would have even cared about that, to be honest with you, that Mookie didn't want to play here. I I think they would have gladly added that in to leaking his counter offer of $420 million. You know, by leaking that, that was their shot at Mookie Betts on his way out. And I forget what Mookie said, but Mookie even countered through, I think his agent or whatever about something to do with Boston. So I don't, I don't think that's legit. You know what Felger was saying, 
you know, and I, I don't think he's lying. I think somebody told him that, but I just, I don't think the, the source was credible. And the, the Red Sox, if they cheaped out, I mean, it's John Lester all over again. You know, I mean, it took them several years to live that down. And I don't think $300 million is exactly a lowball offer. You know, I don't think that's an insult to Mookie, but, you know, it's still, it still kind of rehashes, you know, the nightmare from the Lester situation where his was a definite lowball situation. You know, what they offered like 70 million bucks over four years. Yeah. Like, it was offensive, honestly. It was like, dude, like, just tell me you don't want him here. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the Red Sox had just given Chris Sale $145 million over five years. So I just can't see them. I just feel like I don't see them going past 300 I think that was the final offer. And I don't know how sustainable even that was, given the current situation at the time. And then finally... This is my last point. A couple weeks after the sale extension, on opening day, Xander Bogarts gets his six-year deal for 125, and a handful of months earlier at the winter meetings, they were willing to deal Bogarts, him, Rick Porcello, and Jackie Bradley Jr. All their names were on the trade block, and. At the time, I thought that was to sign a reliever, possibly. Um, you know, our, we knew our bullpen going into 2019 was going to be trash. And so I assumed it was possibly to free up money to, to bolster that. But it very well could have been to free up money to hopefully maybe sign Mookie Betts. So where Bogarts was initially, at least for a week or so, on the trade block to getting signed a couple weeks after Mookie declined the $300 million offer by signing Bogarts. That told me there was a 0% chance Mookie was coming back. Like I was, I was positive of of it at that moment. And so that this is all just another reason I don't trust the, the Felger source. I think, yeah, I think the Red Sox, knew they were moving on from him as early as March of 2019. And, and there was no, there was no counter offer at any point after that for North of 400 or something. So, yeah. And at the end of the day, I I don't even miss him. He was fun to watch, but he didn't endear himself to me. He was never thumping his chest. I love the city of Boston. He never, John Lester had the famous quote before he got that insult offer that the Red Sox would have to rip that jersey off his back for him to not play here anymore. You never heard that kind of rhetoric out of Mookie Betts. And I'm fine with Verdugo. Absolutely fine. Any, any... Yeah, I would have been, I mean, I'm good. I'm over it. I've accepted it. Um, like I said, they got a decent package. I don't – the Dodgers weren't bidding against anyone else really because San Diego wasn't going to go in and give you, you know, the four top uh, – four of their top ten prospects without any indication that he was going to resign. And at that point, he, he wasn't going to uh, commit to resigning. It took a pandemic for him to do so. Um, I think he probably would have tested the market. And there's a good chance he would have went back to L.A. But I – do think he would have taken offers? He's a guy that will bet him, bet on himself, and he's getting paid handsomely for it. Yeah, and at the end of the day, I mean, who was going to give him that contract anyway, pandemic or not? No one. Yeah, the the Dodgers were the only team that can afford that because they print money over there. The Padres sure as hell don't. Every time it's like, um, hey, you want you want Will Myers? <laughs> They're literally <laughs> always trying to get rid of money. And the Dodgers are the complete opposite of it. Of it, they have a they have a endless vault over there. Yeah, I mean Atlanta doesn't. 
you know, they needed to add pitching and didn't really, you know, outside of taking a flyer on Cole Hamels, which didn't end well. Um, you know, so they wouldn't have been in play. I don't think the Yankees would have been. You know, they're, they're going to try to probably extend one or two of their younger guys. Um, still hoping for a massive judge signing because that's obviously going to blow up. But um, but Houston, I don't think, spends that kind of money. Um, there was just nobody. And the Dodgers really actually were in well position to do that because they don't really have much money on their books after a year or two from now. You know, once the Kershaw deal runs up. You know, they're going to have some tough decisions to make with, you know, Bellinger, you know, maybe. But um, but their payroll was in a good position to to make that signing. And I don't think they wanted to have him for one year. I think they acquired him with the intention of signing him, you know, because they would have they would have got ridiculed by their fan base for for not doing it, you know, after giving up that haul and. I also think that Mookie kind of does like that market. I mean, he's a big basketball guy. That's his favorite sport outside of baseball. And it's kind of a fun basketball market. And um, I think the Dodgers do get a fair amount of scrutiny, much more so than the Angels get. But I still think that's a softer market compared to Boston and New York regardless. And I just think that, he sees it as comfortable and you know, so I, I just, I think it was a fit from the beginning, but, um, Oh, he's going to make so much money for marketing. It's going to be an unreal amount that he's going to be raking in after the season. Probably. Yeah. Nike or someone, someone will definitely, uh, give him a huge endorsement deal, but yeah. Uh, any, uh, any final thoughts at all? Uh, you know, maybe some thoughts on the World Series. Anything? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'd hate to be one of those people that thought that they were going to win in five right now. <laughs> well, <laughs> thank, thank you. I appreciate that. Thanks for playing. Uh, I, I've been, I feel like I thought, deep down inside, I feel like the Dodgers had more firepower. But I just, you got to feel for the little guy in this one. And uh, here it is, the Tampa Bay Rays through game four, that's all they needed. Just get two wins through game four. You da- if you're down 3-1, it's more than likely over. Let's be serious. That- that's a strong team. It's a powerhouse team. But uh, it's tied 2-2. Tampa Bay could drop this one and win game six, and we're playing seven. I, I said it from the get-go. I said, these are the two best teams. It's going to go seven. And I think I, I stand by that assessment. If you guys had to reassess, are you guys going to say Dodgers in six now? Oh, yeah. I, I don't think LA is losing this series. As we go to the bottom of the ninth, Mookie strikes out. So um, three outs away from <laughs> LA kind of putting their foot on their throat here. Interesting. It, it ain't over till it's over, though. Thank you. I, I think Snell could absolutely win. Uh, game six to force game seven and then they got morton again who they seem to hit pretty well um so and what did i say i said morton was going to be one of those guys that ends up getting a split kershaw i thought was also going to be one of the guys to get a split i said that i remember i said the the mvp is going to be a and morton combined so i might have been wrong on the morton part but a could still light it up yeah we'll see Charlie Morton is a guy I think we need on our radar for next year. You know, I, I think Bloom probably likes him. I think his performance this year kind of justifies at least a one-year deal, um, you know, because Bauer wants a, a super long deal at this point, or, or he's About, open, yeah. open to it. They're not signing anyone that gets a quali- qualifying offer. They just won't. It's going to cost – it would not only cost them, you know, God knows how much money – but they're gonna—they would lose their second pick, and then it would also lose international signing money, and they can't afford to take that hit on uh, pros- the prospect front. So, I think we're gonna be looking at um, 
some middle of the tier names and not the guys that are going to sell a ton of jerseys. You could very well be right. Yeah. Yeah, it's possible. We'll see. Yeah, well, all right. We'll probably get a hot stove show going maybe late next week uh, as well as uh, some manager updates. So um, I, I expect this podcast to be pretty busy through early December anyway. Sounds good. Yeah, uh, there's going to be a lot of moves coming up, uh, a lot of non-tendering, guys getting released, the Red Sox signing guys because they have a high waiver priority. So it should definitely be a busy, busy uh, first few weeks of the off season. Absolutely. I think so. Starting with the non-tenders. Um, yeah. So we'll, uh, we'll, uh, be on top of that as it, as it happens. So, all right, take care guys. Thanks guys. Good night. Episode 228 in the books. A lot of manager talk. Not a lot of Mookie Betts remorse from us, but uh, we'll see how the remainder of this World Series plays out and uh, go from there. So we'll be back probably, I don't know, maybe Thursday night, Friday night, something like that to uh, discuss how that all played out and maybe at least have a verdict on uh, the Cora situation as to what his status may or may not be. So take care.